I promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Hello and welcome back to the Tread Weary Podcast. My name is Pastor Carlton Smee and I am your host here. This is the audio arm of TreadWeary.com. And TreadWeary began as a blog I started quite a few years ago. And here at TreadWeary, we try to discover the gospel. See where God is at work doing things that we cannot do ourselves, especially when it comes to things like righteousness when it comes to things like turning us into worshipers. And so here, because of that, as part of our work, is that we dig into the scriptures and and we are looking for the work of Christ there. We're looking for the gospel. We're looking for God's gifts to us. And the way we've been doing that lately is we've been going through the gospel of John. And so this, uh, this new year, happy new year, 2020, Uh, We are going to be continuing through the Gospel of John, and we are going to be picking up John 6, which is the gigantically huge 71-verse chapter that almost exclusively deals with bread. Uh, There are a few uh, inconsistencies with that, but it mostly deals with bread. And so we are going to be talking about that, digging into it, and the way that we have been looking at it is through the lens of worship in part because worship seems to be this thing that we don't think about all that often. But we're using God's Word to help us delve into our lives as worshipers, helping God to turn us into true worshipers, and helping to turn our hearts towards Jesus Christ using what He gives us, which is His Word, where He speaks to us. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we are going to be reading verses 1 through 15, and this is dealing with the fourth sign in John. If you can remember, there were three signs, the first sign being that he turned water into wine, the second sign being that he healed that official's son while the official was with Jesus and the son was way far away, and then the third sign was when he healed the Uh, man who was paralyzed or disabled at uh, the pool of Bethesda. Now we have the fourth sign, the feeding of the 5,000. This is the only miracle apart from the resurrection narrative that is in all four Gospels. So we'll be getting into that. But let us read together. John chapter 6. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. That is my go-to version. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. 
Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There is plenty of grass in the place. So they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, so much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers, so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you'd open your word to us. Guide us by it. Grow us by it. Help us to see ourselves here, but help us to most importantly to see our Jesus here and what gets in the way of him. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we had last week was dealing more with the issue of reading your Bible, and and there were a couple of sermons involved in there. Well, this this time uh, we are going to be continuing on with our study. And so, Picking up there at verse 1, it says, after this. Well, after what? Well, if you remember correctly, Jesus was spending a whole bunch of time talking about witnesses, talking about his testimony, talking about who bears witness to him, how he bears witness to himself only in so far as that God is bearing witness to this Jesus of who he is. And, and there were a lot of discussion about the law and Moses and the revelation of God. Well, it says after this, after Jesus is having all this discussion, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. They saw him heal this man on, on the Sabbath at Bethesda. They've seen him do other healings and other manifestations of his power. And it says, Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Well, as I said, this is uh, one of the only miracles that happens in all four Gospels here. John calls it a sign. And it's interesting to note, first of all, that this crowd, they're in a hurry to come and see Jesus. They're in a hurry to try and, and come come and be in his presence to, to, to get some of that energy from him, this work that is healing people. And what we learn in part is that this narrative very much has a connection to the narrative of the people of Israel, the narrative of the, of the Exodus, the narrative of the wandering in the desert, that, that people have been wandering in the, desert, in the desert waiting for the Messiah, and now the Messiah is here, and the Messiah is going to do all these works to show that he is greater than Moses. So it says that he goes up on a mountain. Well, what did Moses do? But he went up on a mountain and he got the Ten Commandments. And he brought those down, these things that in Deuteronomy it says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Setting it up for this this reality that this work 
that Jesus is going to do is not about bread. It's about something more. It's about this this work of God to give us something beyond just what we need every day. Even though this whole sign, this whole miracle is a reality check for us that God supplies every need for us, whether we know it or not. Now it says the Passover, a Jewish festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. It's interesting that Jesus is the Passover lamb. He is the fulfillment of the Passover. He is the one sacrificed so that God will pass over our sins. And how often it is that he does things around the Passover. Here he is about to do another sign, another gifting, another giving. And there are parallels in part to Exodus chapter 11, if you want to turn there with me, to Exodus chapter 11, where this is dealing with the the death of the firstborn and the instructions for the Passover. And it says that all of this was happening so that they may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel, basically a distinction between good and evil, the people of the promise and the people not, which is a whole nother discussion for later. But then after that, we get into the instructions for the Passover in chapter 12. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's family, one animal per family. It is interesting because first it says that this is to be a new beginning. It's the beginning of the year for them, that this this idea of the Passover was this, this new thing taking place for them. And here Jesus is coming to do this new thing. He's coming to supply this thing that is needed for the people. The people are hungry. They need food, right? Just like God supplied manna in the desert, which we'll get to later on in this chapter. Here God is going to supply something else. I love this discussion about the Passover, though, that it says one lamb for each family. Well, we have one lamb, don't we? Jesus Christ given to us. And so it causes, even for our discussion around this work of the feeding of the 5,000, the entire goal is one to turn our eyes towards Jesus Christ, to turn our eyes towards the one who went up a hill and sat down, just like he goes up a hill and is crucified for us, so that our worship begins to be something that is focused specifically upon this Jesus and the work that he is going to do for us. But here we find that the people have no provisions and God provides. And the idea of that manna that I was talking about, that the people of God had no provisions really in the desert as they left Egypt to go on the Exodus and they travel through the wilderness and God sends them bread from heaven. They had no provision and God provides. And it's the same thing here, that people had no provisions as they came in seeking, rushing to see Jesus, and so he provides for them. But I do love how he asks the question, right? He asks this question of Philip, and he asks him to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. That's an interesting understanding for us in the sense that there's no necessary need for us to come up with the right answer. 
there's no necessary need for us to have the answers or even to know the questions, because oftentimes God does come to us and asks us something, and then we spend our lives trying to find that answer or trying to be adequate to that answer. And often God is doing that so he might do something for us, just like Jesus is doing here. This issue that in worship is for us to come before our Lord and receive from him the gifts that he is going to provide for us. Where often we come with our questions and we often will not see see the answers there at church. We often won't find them. Often we leave with more questions. But this connection with the Christ, this connection with God will often open up the way for us. And quite often in our life with these questions, we aren't going to get them answered. There's not going to be answers unless there's a huge miracle to come. And those are very few and far between. But God is a God who provides. God is a God who gives. And so we have to trust and rely on this God to give of himself for us. Well, Philip answers, 200 denarii or 200 days wages worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. A denarius was a certain weight in silver. And a a common laborer would get paid a denarius for a day's work. So basically saying it would take you over half the year to come up with enough money to have enough bread for these people to just have a little bit. And then you have Andrew, one of the other disciples, Simon Peter's brother, that says to him, well, I found this boy, this, this dude who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Basically, again, saying, well, we have something, but it's not enough, Jesus. We have something here, just like in us, there's something. There's some spark of of spirituality, the spark of this yearning to grow in our faith, the spark of yearning to serve and to love and to grow. But oftentimes it gets distracted or even squelched by the ways of the world, by the ways of our own sin, by the trials of life. And it is a need of God to come and do something else with us. And that is what we have Jesus about to do. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Have them sit down. Have them rest. There's somewhat of a connection here to Psalm 23, you know, leading me to green pastures. Because it says there's plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, meaning it was a comfortable place. It was a place of abundance. There was stuff there. Uh, to, to It wasn't just a desert. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated also with the fish as much as they wanted. Well, here we have the beginning of the allusions to the Eucharist, to communion. The verb is used there, Eucharisto, but you know, having given thanks... But there is this connection for us as Christians who believe in communion, who believe in the, the, the eating of bread and the drinking of wine as the body broken and blood shed for our sins of Jesus Christ. There, there's this beginning of this connection in this entire chapter to this illusion of that, which is part of our worship services every Sunday in my parish. It's the very pinnacle of our service quite often, because to tell you the truth, the preacher's not much to write home about. But 
It's the pinnacle of our worship because it's the example for us in our worship of God giving to us whether rather than us giving to him. We might supply the bread and the wine, but in that is then God giving himself to us of something that we need more than anything that we might bring to God on that Sunday or more than anything that we might think we need in our lives. God comes to us and grants us grants us freedom from sin, grants us that forgiveness, grants us that reconciliation. And then we go throughout our week sinning and, 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 and hurting one another. And then we come back on Sunday and God does it again, gives it to us again, that we might be repented of our sins and go out into our lives and in our, in our vocations in worship of God for what he has done for us by what it is we do for others. But here we have this beginning of this connection to the Eucharist, to Holy Communion. I love how it says, when they were full or when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Well, let's get a, let's get a doggy bag, you guys. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. In other words, there was more than enough of Jesus to go around. There was more than enough of what God was doing to go around to be enough for everybody to be satisfied, meaning they didn't need anything else. They had their food babies growing. They, they had the buffet of Jesus there. They had plenty of food. God's abundance being given to us, not in the sense of riches and wealth and good health and property and whatever else, but God himself being given to us. Where that when we are on our deathbeds and can barely breathe and our families are squabbling over who's going to get what in the will once we're gone and we are basically leaving everything and we have nothing apart from our Jesus, apart from our God, apart from our God, we realize that we have everything. Hear this miracle, this sign of the feeding of the 5,000 begins to connect dealing with Jesus' witness to himself, dealing with the fact that he is greater than Moses, dealing with the fact that all of the scriptures from the beginning all the way down point towards him, the Passover lamb who's giving himself for you. Well, here we have all of that being wrapped up into this section of scripture telling us that this is what God is doing and this is the focus of our worship and our life together. I do like here, just like the rest of the world, when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the one that Moses talks about in Deuteronomy 18 as the one who is, God is going to raise up a prophet like me amongst your own people, and you're going to listen to him. They, they received from the vending machine Jesus, and they wanted to keep him around always. They, they, they felt that he was the fulfillment of Deuteronomy, which he was. He was the fulfillment of what Moses was talking about there, that a prophet, a preacher, was going to come up from among their own people, and he was going to be greater than Moses. And that has happened now. This is that Jesus. And I love Jesus' reaction because it says, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The reality is is that prophets shouldn't want to be king. Prophets should not want to profit off what it is that they are doing. Prophets are here in order to bring to us the word, 
to speak to us, to bring us back to God, to turn us away from our sins, turn us away from our idolatry, and turn us towards God. That begins this work for us of realizing that profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, what I can get is not as important as what God can give. Jesus wasn't about to be made king by force. He was already king. But they were going to try and make him king in their own eyes, make him king in the way that they wanted him to be king, make him king in the worldly sense of being king, give him nice clothes and a throne and a palace and power and all these things. Well, he already had more than all of that could ever be for him. And they did not realize who their Jesus was that was standing before him, even though he had done what he had done. Well, when we continue on into John 6, we're going to see a little bit more of what it is that Jesus is calling for us to do, where it is that he is pointing for us to go, but even more importantly, explaining to us all the stuff about bread and what it is that he has to bring to us. And so I will see you next week. Go with the blessings of God upon you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.